Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Lodge 49. Welcome back to Streaming in Place. This is week 38, episode 159, uh, in which we are talking about the season one finale of the AMC series, the dearly departed AMC series, Lodge 49. It's been kind of a while um, because a thing happened and then another thing happened and it was whatever. But that just means we've had plenty of time to ruminate on the many happenings um, in and around the Lodge. Um, So I I just want to start by asking a question, which is when I told you that you couldn't guess the end of this season, was I correct? Of course. Yeah, I don't I don't know that there is a way to predict a shark attack. Cuz you Inst- you had it with the harpoon gun. I did. Yeah. Um instigated by a sea lion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I I was feeling man. so dumb at the start of the episode. I was like, oh, "Of course, it needs to end with him getting back in the water. Of course. Yeah. How did I not we not guess that? That's obviously what they've been leading to that makes complete sense." And I was like, it was like part of my brain is like, why would Allison think we wouldn't guess that? That's ridiculous. And then I was like, wait, we're in the water too long. What is what is going? And then just shark attack out of nowhere. It's like it's insane. It's like ridiculous. Uh, my number one question though is not even about that. It's about our and because I wanted to look up several things about this finale to get like takes and and things. And I was like, I can't because I got spoiled on season two by accident. Um, so. Are we supposed to have any opinions about, like, what's going on with Liz and her, like, spidey sense being like, I need, like, I need to go to the beach because Dud's going to need me. Or, like, right? Because we don't see her going to call. We don't get, like, she just sort of knows to rush to the beach with panic on her face. As opposed to, like, no, I should be there with my brother and, like, you know, that kind of a thing. It's not like, I'm going to go and then just turns into panic. It's panic immediately. So, did I miss something? No, they're twins. Similar, yeah. Like, that's they're not twins. a thing. It's it's not a thing. It it, but in fiction, it is a thing. Um, so it's they're twins. It's I it mean, is. it's also anecdotally a thing, right? Like yeah. whether probably that's not a thing. She starts rushing over before he's attacked. Uh-huh. Well, it's, it's storytelling. I mean, it could <laughs> like there's a way. I really love. I I'm so glad we're talking about this because this is one of the things about this episode that I really love, is that it could be that they're twins and it's a twin thing, mm-hmm. or it could just be that Liz solved a problem, and she's so <laughs> used to assuming that the sky is falling that the second she solves a problem she immediately becomes panicked about another one and in this case she's panicked about how obviously dud is struggling right so if she get even if she in her mind thinks oh god i have bad twin feeling i have to go uh you know i'm sure that liz would have been very relieved to show up at the beach and everything is fine um and like whatever miss the great mysteries this it's lodge 49 so where would we be without the great mysteries um does she actually feel something is it just a coincidence i have no idea and i'm not sure the show is particularly interested in that which i love it's the same thing with like it's it actually ties into this your response to the shark business and all of that sort of captured in microcosm um in the scene where we see um uh the pawn shop by mr dud senior's watch um 
in that we think, I'm trying to find the best way to articulate this. You think you know what's going to happen. And then there's a reversal and you think, oh, of course, this is the reversal. And then there's a reversal on the reversal, right? Which is so, it's just so fun. And the show does it so well and does it quite a few times in this episode. And for me, Liz, Liz's like twin Spidey sense falls into that. Um, but I'm sure that, that it prompted, um, a wide range of reactions and mine just happens to be very positive. Well, yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's dramatically very satisfying. Um, and everything. I just was like pondering it. And as you were talking, I was like, Oh, duh. Her dad seemed like everything was fine, but obviously he was very troubled and then said, Hey, I'm going to go out for a swim. Do you want to come with me? And dad said, no, I'll, I'll see you later. I'll see you when you back, you get back or I'll go out later. Um, and then went off to swim was never seen again. Dud is obviously struggling, but also you could interpret some of his actions as like giving away possessions with the way he's treating the car and you know, shaving off the beard and like wanting to look good. And, you know, like, and oh, is he saying goodbye? Is he going to do the same thing that whatever happened to dad? Settling debts. Right? And that yeah. Kind of settling debts, all that kind of thing. Like it didn't even occur to me that that, is obviously what she could or would be thinking. Um, and so I felt really dumb. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, it, it, unless you have that really dramatic final scene on the beach and everything. And um, and now I don't have a problem with it since I made the obvious connection of her being worried of some, some level of self-harming goodbyes from Dud that she was not seeing in the way that she wasn't seeing it with her dad. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's open for discussion whether or not those those fears are valid, because mm-hmm. I think there's the place that Dud is at in this episode is so complicated and messy and layered. Um, and I think Wyatt Russell is just great. He's so good in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never really know how, obviously he is struggling, but sometimes being at peace with the world and being at peace with terrible things that happen to you can look the same, right? Like it just, is he doing really well or is he doing really badly or is it both? And does it matter? It's like how Liz invites him over and says, I gave the apartment a really good clean and she did, but the apartment is also trashed from her drunkenly cleaning it. Right? Like it just, it's all a zillion things at once. Um, it just, man, I was so excited for you guys to watch this finale. I like it so much. Uh, Marcus says, I spent too much time looking at his face. It seemed weird without the beard, though. I think he looks more like his dad and yeah. Why Russell looks both dads. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> without the beard. Real dad like... and real dad and fake dad. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. What, what did you think about all this? Yeah. I agree with the two of you, which is why I haven't been chiming in very much. Um, because there was no reason to. You were having a really solid, like, everything was aligning, harmonic convergence, avatar state <laughs> sort of deal, podcast bluey eyes um, was going on here. Um, and it just wasn't the reflection of my screen and my glasses creating the bluey eyes. Um, yeah, I think that everything is really spot on. And I think that, like, to the discussion you were specifically having about Liz's realization of needing to go to the beach and this idea of drawing a connection to it, to Dud, to their dad, I think is really spot on because suddenly her brain is free to think about something else that isn't $80,000 of debt, um, to which 
also I don't care how small your bank is, you can't hold them hostage. Yeah, that's it's not, not gonna a work. thing. We're going to talk about that too. That's not how that works. Um, I mean, if the bank still owns the loan, they get to make decisions like that, but that's not how that works. Um, but anyway, neither here nor there, and I really don't care that much about it. But it re- results in her just having this part that has just consumed her brain so much go away which allows her to experience other things. It's a blockage, basically, in the same way that Dud's foot is a blockage of some kind, or that there are just various blockers, basically, within our cast of characters here. And the debt was something for Liz. And once it goes away, it's like the universe begins to speak again. Those mysteries begin to filter in and back into Liz's brain. Um, But she's able to draw connections and make leaps of faith and leaps of logic to get to where she needs to be. Um, And I think that there's something really beautiful about that and really taps again into this not so magical, magical realism that the show's really consistently played with. Um, Because we can find all sorts of rationalizations and explanations like we've had for Liz's behavior here. But at the same time, twin sense also just works as a reason um the show does such a good job of basically splitting that gordian knot of it can be both but it can also just be one of them how do you want to read this particular mystery how do you want to read this scroll that we're presenting for you and watching them continue to play with that and also just weird other serendipitous events that the show's really consistently done but also does this in this season with Ernie traveling through the tunnel to get back to the trailer and find El Confidente. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, Cheech yes. Marin! <laughs> what good casting, right? I was yeah. so happy when that the happened. The casting on this show is on point, both in yeah. terms of the um, like the less familiar faces yeah. and the people where you're like, oh, of course. Right. Right. Yeah. So those kinds of things of like finding hidden things, basically. And finding, getting rid of those blockers or giving up in some way, shape, or form all kind of comes to the forefront in this. You find a scroll in the wall because you threw something out of frustration and that releases something. You hear a squeak in the Sanctum Sanctorium where you shouldn't be and you find a tunnel going back to a trailer and then you find a guy who has a lead on the scrolls. All this sort of stuff. And I think that that's just really beautiful. And I think that the elegance of that across this episode even down to Jocelyn running past um, what's her name from the donut shop as she finishes her morning surf. Just those little things peppered in just create this sense of wonder, but also connection and realism. And it's just, it's really good. Let's talk about Jocelyn for a second, because he has such a satisfying arc. I mean, he's, it's, he's very Charlie Brown with a football, right? Things are not going well for Jocelyn. But he's having such a good journey. He's having such a positive experience in this hellscape. And that scene where he runs onto the beach and joyfully strips off his shirt is almost as good as him working up the courage to leave that phone message. So how did we feel about Jocelyn in general this week? I'm so happy for him. I was I was like, okay, yeah, so Dud gets bitten by a shark. And like, there's lots of things that happen that are you know, not great. But Jocelyn gets a straight up win and there are strings attached and we'll find out in season two some level of like why they actually, like what's going on with the squirrels or whatever such that they're actually going to keep the lodge open. But for right now, uh, 
Jocelyn just saved the lodge with an impassioned speech. And there is no reason for him not to believe that that is what happened. And it's a beautiful thing for a guy who, like, has he ever gotten, like, a straight-up win? Like, he's he got, he, he's gotten plenty of things that have worked out for him, like his job and everything. But it's not something where he, like, kind of happened into it. It's not something where he took initiative right. and made a bold declaration and put himself out there and, and just straight-up gets a win. So even when it gets asterisked, asterisked? Later, in his mind, when he finds out some of this other context he doesn't know, this moment is still a beautiful thing. So I was very, I was very happy for Jocelyn. What I love is that Jocelyn just hasn't learned any lessons. And it's just like, I don't care if I get another sunburn. It's worth it. It's fine. I'm just gonna, just gonna go into the beach and go into the surf. And I don't care if I come out looking like a lobster again. It's all worth it. It's all worth it. And it's just really nice. He should put on he should put on waterproof sunscreen though. All of the sunscreen, dude's pasty. Like yeah. speaking as one who knows, all the sunscreen. <laughs> uh, Marcus says, considering what he went through to get there, it's great to see him with a win. And yeah, yeah. Elsa, how do you feel about Jocelyn? I just I think it's such a good performance. Is the mm-hmm. like all of the characters on this show, or at least most of them, are so well developed, often with very little time, that they all feel like the protagonist of some other story that you're not watching. Like that, is, that to me is is maybe the single best quality that Lord Lodge 49 possesses. Um, as you can imagine, the pawn shop series, you can imagine um, the the Dud Senior series. You can imagine, like, you can imagine all these other stories. And Jocelyn's is maybe my favorite, and that comes down in no small part to performance because he manages to convey just decades of emptiness without us ever having to see it. Really, he's just—it's he—it's a fully inhibited character, and those scenes are so gratifying and so joyful um, that it I. I just love every time Jocelyn shows up. It's he's he's great. He's the best. Well, and him like being staying on there for whatever, you know, I forget the reason they gave. I was like, oh, he's on season two. Yay. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Jocelyn being on season two, maybe this is a good time to transition to the additional glimpses we get of Lodge one Mm -hmm. and potentially references to the true Lodge. So let's have our mythology conversation and our. uh, and our travels conversation, I guess. I am so very here for for Connie. Just be like, screw it, I'm going to Lodge One, and I'm just gonna have, I'm just gonna go, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my know, reporter thing. Ser- search out some more info on this, and like dig around, and you know who, you know who, we don't know her diagnosis, we don't know her timeline, so why not? Like, oh man, mm-hmm. I'm so here for it, and and it gave us that really great moment with Scott and Ernie, and the lingering like. Sovereign Protector issue, which will have to come up in season two, but of them both assuming Connie was with the other one, uh, and like everybody's like, they did. Uh, let's let them just work this. Out. Let's go back to the bar. Um, but I, I'm very excited about everything with Connie and how much she does or does not realize what she's instigating when she starts talking so openly at Lodge One about this stuff. Uh, Noel, what did you think of that? Was this this intentional like? I'm gonna create a, uh, um, I'm gonna create uh, some buzz here and see what I shake loose, or is this her, like, um, not realizing exactly the the level to which this is going to have ramifications? 
I mean, I'm sure she doesn't realize that it's going to have the ramifications it's going to have, but she definitely knew she was poking a bear. Um, she definitely knew that there was maybe not a bear, but a beehive, but didn't realize that the beehive was then going to fall on a bear sort of deal. Um, because there's no way that from a body language perspective, she doesn't realize or notice how all three of the other patrons at the lodge kind of shift a little bit when she mentions a true lodge type of deal. Um, Allison's taking a big sip of coffee right now. I'm sure just because she needs caffeine. Um, and I think that watching that kind of play out and then getting to see the fact that everyone has to put on blindfolds to go talk to whomever <laughs> down these horrible hallways that again, that again, have no other doorways in them. And thus you do not need to count them because it's just a straight shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but apparently it's part of the ritual. It's part of the process, right? Um, even if it doesn't make sense, they don't know that there aren't any other doors there or that so that that door's not against a wall, that it's just the end of the corridor. They don't know. They should, but they don't. Um, and how that is going to eventually, like, come into play. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I love that Connie just went, yeah, I'm going to go do my investigative reporter thing since I can't do it for money anymore, but I'm going to do it for this thing that I really care about. Um, and that the two men who look at me differently, but in ways that make me feel good in different ways, also care about, but they're also doofuses. So I'm going to go do this on my own. <laughs> they are doofuses. Um, but you know what? So is beautiful Jeff. Mm-hmm. I hope the bloom is well and truly off the rose with beautiful Jeff now. <laughs> it uh, should be. I meant for you guys, you were charmed by beautiful Jeff. <laughs> oh, I'm entertained by beautiful Jeff, I think is the main yeah, thing. there's a different there's a difference between being, yeah, 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 um, yeah, I, I Noel, I really like your point about um whether or not she knows the extent of what she's doing is right. ambiguous, but at the same time, so is her purpose. Like, is she mm-hmm. going there? Is this an eat, pray, love situation, or is she undercover? And does it matter? And could it possibly be both? Right? Like, is she sort of stumbling into this? Or is it deliberate? Um, These are questions uh, that I'm just gonna pose for (laughs) you to consider um, while I drink some more coffee. I'm very excited for what is coming with that. And when I was Hmm. I, we don't know where Connie is. She's probably with Scott. You know that tracks and everything that we see here. Uh, the re- the pullback and reveal for that was so awesome. It was really great because it was again it was not a thing I would have guessed at all uh, going into this finale that Connie would end the season in London, poking around about the True Lodge and uh, you know leading to significant um, yeah ramifications fallout uh, that's going to linger throughout the whole like. I would assume at least the start of the next season, if not the rest of the the season or the show. So yeah. Um, Marcus says it immediately felt like a lodge before the plot shot, but I didn't know it would be lodge one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The architecture screams tavern of some kind that is not in the United States. um, Just from the little rails that were behind her, uh, the whatever those are called. Um, And I just went, she's in a pub somewhere. And then I was just like, she's probably at Pub Lodge One. And then it was just like, never confirmed until you see the big mur- the big painting behind the bar that you're like, oh, we're in a lodge. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. Lodge One. Here we go. Let's do this. 
I love that painting behind the bar because it's it's perfectly in keeping with the way that Lodge 49 is designed too, although that has a much more American feel in that every it's you could walk in and think this is a normal place and then your eyes start to linger on things and you're like this is not a normal place <laughs> this is like this is when they're all just like oh yeah you know we get robes and whatever and you can watch people get sort of gradually more and more weirded out even mm-hmm. as everyone is like no it's basically a social club and then people just get freaked out um including Blaze, who is really struggling. Um, so I want to talk about Blaze, but but real quick, is there anything else to say about Ernie and Scott besides real life fighting is awkward? Um, oh, as as once again, honestly depicted on television, it's, it's all too rare, um, but whenever you see grown men sort of awkwardly yanking on each other's shirts while they grapple, that's, that's much more honest for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, one of them has a broken hand or a fractured hand of some kind. So that just adds to the comedy of all of this. Um, and then watching them try to do things that they've clearly seen on TV or read about in whatever the name of that series that Paul Giamatti is narrating um, mm-hmm. of books. It's just like, it's so good and silly. And I really appreciate it. But I also appreciate that no one bothered to break it up. And they're just like, nah, let's let them do this. Sure, they're wrecking the place and all our trophies are ruined. But meh who cares we're about to get foreclosed anyways and like i don't want to get between this so yeah i think my favorite part though about all of it is when bert ernie goes to hit scott with his own painting or Mm -hmm. photo and he almost expects like scott's head to come through the frame like in a cartoon and it doesn't and he looks so befuddled for a brief moment Mm -hmm. because that's good moment that's not what happens in this and i'm just like this is very good. Oh, I'm so glad you noticed that. It's one of those, this show is one of the, for me, is one of those, oh, it's too good for this world shows because the little things are the things that make it great and it's the things you won't really notice. And that's yeah. just like an incredibly specific, honest, funny acting choice. That's yeah. j- It just like comes to life. It's it, really wonderful. Yeah. Um, Blaze, however, not having, not quite, not quite as amused. Shall we talk mm-hmm. about Blaze? Well, I think that the two things I have about Blaze is that I'm really glad that Blaze is having this arc because it provides such a good counterpoint to Jocelyn, who is rediscovering the joys and wonders and mysteries of the Order of the Lynx. That all of this is like suddenly speaking to Jocelyn in a way that he hadn't really ever thought about it before, and he loves it. And he's just really in a different way than, um, whatchamacallit, than Dud is tapping into it. It's different. Um, but Blaze is all the way on the other side of like, this is all crap. It's all nonsense. And the thing that I really love about how that gets depicted in this episode in particular is that you get that scene of Jocelyn coming up on him in the uh, in the hidden chamber, and he's just sitting there like he is himself a corpus now. That he's just been frozen in time in this room, and that there's something here, but it's just another corpus waiting to become um and i just love that as he blazes whole arc has been this season getting to this point of becoming a corpus um and i really like that but then discovering like some cool things in a wall that they obviously did not do a thorough perception check on this room um just like i i know some dms don't really allow like multiple perception checks but I feel like everyone should have gotten to roll a decent perception check here. Well, like, you should be able to take 20, right? You should be able to take 20 if if it's, like, you're spending that number of hours there, then yeah, Yeah. I agree. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, passive perception, if nothing else, right? At a certain point, passive perception has to kick in, even if you have a really low passive perception score. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I've got with Blaze. I'm very sad that he's going through all this, um, but it's worked really well and balanced really well by Jocelyn, um, which is not what I was expecting because I was expecting Dud to be the balance. And I like how Dud's pivoted away to this other quest, basically, um, while Jocelyn and Blaze are having this kind of thing, all instigated by Avery, who is still working in the shadows. And I expected him to show up in this. And I was a little surprised when he didn't. Yeah. We, I'm, he's got to be back next season. We'll see. Uh, I was reminded very strongly of Galaxy Quest. Like, yes, Commander, I, I know it's all a show. It's all real. I knew it. I knew it's all real. Uh, when he uh, like uh, finds the the red, shiny residue or whatever mm-hmm. um, in the thing, like I'm a little worried for him. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily the best thing that could happen for him, but I'm certainly excited to see what happens next, and hopefully it will lead him to a place of um, more balance, I guess. Um, We'll see. We'll see. His journey is very much in process. Allison, any any thoughts? No, I just just really love Blaze. Yeah. It's Blaze and Jocelyn both have a very special place in my heart. I mean, as do, frankly, all of these characters, even the Mm -hmm. ones that kind of suck. Um, they're just like, I would not enjoy Scott personally, but I just really like him as a character. Um, and I love that the show seems to always pick the most interesting response from the characters you, you assume, you know, really well, I guess. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Um, let's talk about Liz. Yes, please. Cause that's not how bank loans work. Um, <laughs> It is sometimes how credit how creditors work. Yeah. Um, but it is clearly a bank. Yeah, it's not a credit union. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, go ahead, I, Kate. Yeah. Well, because I searched that up. I, I, I was like, okay, that's that's not at all how that works. Like, there must be something. Somebody must have written about it. So then I did some searching on it. Um, made sure Lodge 41, season one finale, debt. <laughs> Enter. Google. Um, and I actually found a, a like a brief write up from like, an accountant or something, but they were just selling their book about how to like repack Get out your, of your loans and stuff. And I was like, well, this is not helpful. This is not interesting. Like, I'm not going to buy your book. And I was actually very interested that you like they wrote a post on their blog just about this episode and then didn't say anything about <laughs> anything useful about whether you know like how you know restructuring goes or like that kind of a thing or declaring like, bankruptcy was like my partner's big deal of like does she not know she can just declare bankruptcy is that yeah. not a thing <laughs> yeah but if this is just what it seems like it is i'm okay with it for the purposes of the narrative and as a way to like i was just actually sitting there thinking be like this feels, I would be more okay with this if John Oliver happened to buy her debt and forgave it the way that he did on the show. You know, or like if, if there was like some charity that does stuff like that, you know, and and she ended up being the beneficiary of that. Um, that works for me better than going in and threatening to kill yourself if they don't get rid of your debt because that, I don't believe that would work. Um, and I think that would lead to other uh, legal issues um, for her or for the bank or, you know, uh, but dramatically, I think it really is very effective and, and I'm excited to see what this means for her in the season two of like seeing such a different everything for Liz when she doesn't have that weight on her 
um, just that, that oppressive weight. And it's a really terrific moment of performance when you just watch her just break down and not from relief, but from despair at finally processing the loss of her dad and everything that's happened in this time. And because she's not being crushed by the debt anymore, if like you were saying earlier, Noel, it just lets her feel it frees her up to feel everything. Um, It's a really, it's a really terrific moment. And a great performance, right? I mean, it's at this point, it's a little boring. To, it's like it's like the tough as goat conversation. We've said many times that Sonia Cassidy is really good, but I'm going to keep saying it. She's extremely good. She's even better in season two, if you can believe it. She's so good. I can't. Um, I think that the big thing for me is that while she does have all this free freedom, basically, but she now has all this freedom. Um, there's no job of any kind. Uh, she has no money. No she savings. presumably gave the bank that $18,008.88. It was really specific amount of a series of eights, which I'm sure wasn't supposed to be significant in some way, shape, or form. Um, but I don't know what a ser- three eights means. Um, oh, an eights and infinity sign. Oh, right. Yep. There you go. That Thank was you. always my thought. Yeah, that makes sense. That tracks. I'll take that. Um, that she's where Dud was now. Um, no prospects. Um, more drive than Dud, probably, but not in, like, in a different space than Dud, but still kind of in a Dud-esque space of at least where Dud was at the beginning of this season. Um, so I'm really curious, and more skilled, too, as Marcus points out, which is accurate, but Liz is also not the best at leveraging those skills to do things um watching her just stroll into the omni offices and into corporate's office in particular and be like ready to work and corporate being like you jumped off the boat yeah you guys were right we about called that. harbor patrol <laughs> and you you didn't call and also i knocked at your door and you did not answer that's what really sold it for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, yeah, you were definitely inside. It was obvious you were inside and you didn't answer the door when I came yeah. to see you. So, like, she probably could have walked back a lot of that if she had. But, you know, well, she had it, to clean her fridge. And maybe, maybe if Janet is more like the Janet we see when she's just talking to Liz and less like that public facing janet mm-hmm. maybe if he if she had not already just disappeared mid job interview yeah maybe she could say like well i had a mental health episode right right so. and like and then maybe depending on the company maybe then there's a way back from that but when you combine it with in the middle of a job interview just leaving and also this weird thing where you the mingle the mingle um, where you have the yacht mingle. It's just, it's too, it's poor Liz. It, mm-hmm. mm. Yeah. Sh- better choices in season two, Liz. I really appreciate that corporate though was just like, corporate the character was just like, no, we're, this is done. Like, I can't do this anymore. I've given you everything that I can reasonably give. Here's a boundary. <laughs> But Please also, go away. also, he is a little tells on himself a little bit too. I tried yeah. to save you. It's like, yeah, uh, yes, okay. there's that too. Yeah, yeah. 
So I was like, okay, a little validated with my runaway. A little. Not yeah. a lot. Because, you know, that can be well-intentioned and all. But, yeah. Liz isn't looking to be saved, as she has made very, very clear, even if maybe she needs some saving. Um, but more from... Not from corporate. <laughs> yeah. Not from a character that we don't learn the name of. Well, and there's a huge difference between someone needing help and someone needing to be rescued. Yeah. yeah. Unless yeah. you've just jumped off a boat, in which case you there isn't both. a difference. You need both those things. Um, there's not always going to be a fridge, Liz. There's not yeah. always going to be a fridge. Oh, man. Uh, oh, we- she just popped out of her own fridge. <laughs> oh, it was such a good joke but also it kind of hit a little hard for me because like last weekend i had a really bad like mental health weekend um which involves me cleaning things and stress cleaning things and i just went i've never been that bad before of unplugging my fridge from the wall and tipping it over so i can crawl inside of it um but i did have to clean the stovetop and the microwave and vacuum downstairs before i could go to work um on friday um so that was fun what, seeing that play out on TV and going, oh, I'm glad I'm not $80,000 in debt and no way to pay it off because that fridge would be immaculate all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marcus says, I don't think I've ever seen a TV character in or on a fridge so much in a season of TV. Yes. Yes. I think that's probably a safe bet. I am excited to have a different kind of pop culture connotation for fridges now besides the terrible Indiana Jones 4. So, Oh, that's fascinating to me because my, I mean, I also saw Indiana Jones 4 and sometimes think of the fridge, but for me, person in fridge, always and forever Punky Brewster, not even close. (laughs) See, whereas I think about the thing in Cowboy Bebop at the end of Toys in the Attic, um, Mm immediately with refrigerators okay. here we go fridges in <laughs> pop culture give me your top four favorite no, pop culture no. fridges we four? gotta i gotta Let's say two. This. give me two favorite pop culture fridges i don't um, have two pop culture fridges yes you do I i'm gonna go negative with negative connotations with fridges here's one of the all the fridges that i can think of have to do with characters being fridged in bullshit ways so no so this is like up there um toys in the attic in cowboy bebop great episode you should watch it um but also um uh dana's fridge in ghostbusters is like iconic both the zool version but also mm-hmm. look at all the junk food um line from bill murray is excellent um so that fridge also top right on the top there punky brewster is a solid um thing but i didn't really watch punky brewster but i know about it through osmosis oh it's burned in my brain i I remember it vividly um and have never gone in a fridge effective television it's the power of media uh i will add to lodge 49 and punky brewster also the fridge that harper walks into in angels in america to get to antarctica okay okay Marcus says number two is The Leftovers. Oh, that's really, yes. Okay. Good, that's cool. another really good one. Solid. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. All right. Great. We got to talk about Dud's uh, shark attack uh, and Dud. I, I also really loved the scene we got with um, with Liz and Dud. I thought it was so, such a lovely scene. I'm glad that's the one of the pictures you chose for this episode, Allison. It's the one I will be using. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and, and I love that he got bit by the shark and i love that it's it's the same leg right it's his snake bite but it's on his thigh right i was like oh it's gonna it's like his bite entire off his leg <laughs> it's like his entire leg like the effects for it are really graphic 
Um, even from a distance. It's his entire leg, it looks like. Because, I mean, there's, like, blood spewing out of, like, the prosthetic they have. Mm-hmm. That's, like, on, like, the shin area. Um, so it was, like, his whole leg. Plus some of his hand um, got, like, teethed, um, toothed, bitten. Bitten's the word. I'm a professional writer, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, I think toothed works as well. Right, yeah. Because you can, yes. Anyway, um, I know a lot about sharks um, and specifically a lot about shark attacks on human beings. Is this because you live every week like it's shark week? (laughs) It is not. Um, It is not. Uh, It's because I uh, worked for years on a play about the first um, recorded uh, human shark attack in, not attack of a human shark, that's on the CW. It's um, attack of a human by a shark um, in American history, which was in 1916 in Matawan, New Jersey. Anyway. so I can tell you that they they really put in the work. These it's very detailed because there are, there are lots of elements to a shark that are dangerous beyond just their teeth. Right. But there like there's a difference between like a bite and shredding and the skin shark skin can cut you and like all of this a shark will basically punch you with its face like lots of crazy Unless you're Angelina Jolie and then she punches the shark. Which is what you're supposed to do. You are supposed to punch a shark. Dud obviously did not have a chance to punch a shark. He was too distracted. Though not in the nose, like they claim, in the eye. Yeah. Punch it in the eye. In the eye. Which is not a thing I knew. But so, you know, FYI listeners. Yes. Um, I think we also, I can never remember her name, but I think we also have to raise our glasses to Donut Shop Friend. Um, Alice. Who, Alice, Alice. Who runs into the water when everyone else is fleeing. Yep. Yeah. Like, like, just again, points for, like that's what you tell to the the dad running the shop. Like, you clear you got nothing to worry about. Look at the daughter you raised. Yeah, yeah. So it's just man. Yeah, I think the the last act of this episode is so well constructed. Um, it just moves and moves and moves, and you have all this emotional relief, and then all of a sudden it starts to feel kind of sour and bad, and you don't know why, and then it takes this turn, and then ending with, or not quite ending, but close to ending, with Dud saying, I told you it was a shark, Mm -hmm. calling all the way back to when he said that he thought maybe Dad was attacked by a shark, Mm -hmm. um, when Liz was trying to convince him that it was suicide. It's just, it gets me, man. Yeah, the little shot of the dad was great. Um, yeah, it was it was really well really well put together. Really terrific. Good. Um, I'm so glad that y'all liked it. Do we want to briefly talk about season one as a whole? We've gone kind of long. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I really like it. I'm excited mm-hmm. for season two. Um, and yeah, I'm excited because we're doing putting together at the AV Club like the best of the year kind of thing. So I was looking at the old the previous one from last year. And I had to just keep scanning over because they kept being like Lodge 49 references in the best of the year from 2019. And I was like, well, I'm glad that everybody seems to like season two a lot. Um, I'm looking forward to being able to read those things once I've already seen it. (laughs) I'm excited to get to episodes I haven't seen yet. I don't remember exactly how many in season two I've seen, but it's the first, I'm going to guess the first three or four. Um, And then I just sort of fell behind and never caught up. So now I've been saving it. Now it's finally time. I'm so excited. There's a piece of guest casting in season two that I'm extremely excited for y'all to see. (laughs) 
Noel, any seasonal thoughts? No, it's just really good. Um, and I regret sleeping on this um, for as long as I did. And But that's also just AMC's fault. It's AMC's yeah. fault and there's too much television. Yeah, yeah. It's mostly AMC's fault. Like, I find time to watch stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But it's AMC's fault for just marketing that show really poorly. Um, they marketed it very much like it was a Mad Men, next on Mad Men preview, which is not the way to market anything. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Well, Marcus, do you have any thoughts on season one for uh, Lodge 49? You're Because dra- I don't remember, had you seen any of this beforehand? I had not seen any of this before. Um, I just knew it was on some people's lists of best shows, but I really didn't know anything about it, just its name, pretty much. So it was, it was fun to fun to watch it there. Um, yeah, I definitely like that it's kind of a experience show and mood show versus a plot show, because there's still some things like I can't even remember plot points because that's not really the point <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's it's a fun show to just i don't know bathe yourself in kind of thing just to, and experience it as a feeling yeah i think that's a really good point um because there's there's that the, there's all those hints of something to unravel like a mystery box type of show but the show also just keeps actively pushing against you doing that which I really appreciate because I hate mystery box shows, <laughs> um, especially the way that they're made now. But yeah, that's a really good point, Marcus. I really like that take. Do you have a favorite episode or character or performance or anything like that? Um, I think my favorite episode would be one of the last two when things really started to come together and some crazy shit happened. Um, character. I really like Liz. And even though, like, Ernie did some pretty bad things, like uh, commit fraud and things like that, I really liked Ernie as well. Mm, Definitely. Any predictions for season two? Uh, I think this is a show it's hard to predict, so you can just say anything pretty much, and who knows if you're going to be right. You might be right, yeah. (laughs) Maybe there will be a dragon and a harpoon gun and also a shark attack. Well, then thank you, Marcus, for sharing your thoughts. Uh, Allison, do you want to share with Marcus and everybody else what we are doing next? Yes, we are going to pivot and give ourselves a little Lodge 49 break so as to savor the pleasure longer and also because there's a show that we're all excited about that happens to be on right now. So we are going to do The Flight Attendant, which is on HBO Max. Uh, There are currently, I I think, as of today, (laughs) five episodes out. No, three, four, five, six, seven. seven. Great. Yeah, so yeah. the f- finale is next week, I think. Well, we'll be behind, but not as behind as usual. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about this one. For the first episode, we are going to talk about all three of the first three episodes because that's how they were dropped. So if you are following along at home, the next time that we meet, which will be next Monday, I'm assuming, Yes. Yeah, it should be okay. We'll be talking about episodes one, two, and three of The Flight Attendant. Um, And I'm so excited to keep watching it because I purposefully stopped so that we could have these discussions and all be on even footing. Um, So I've seen four. I saw four for a review, and I'm very excited to get some new episodes. How are y'all feeling about this one? 
uh, suddenly feeling very bad that I watched um, five yeah. and six. Yeah, he's ahead. Well, uh, that just means you're gonna you're gonna be the host. So congratulations. Oh, I can I can do that. I can host. Um, Good. Okay. Yeah. No, of like yeah, five and wait, hang on. Which ones have I watched? I watched. Yeah, I watched um, four and five then because six mm-hmm. and seven dropped today. So, so you I've are four and five. So you're I'm one ahead just of one me. ahead of me. But still, you're the host. Okay. I find that people respond really positively if you never know what week it is. Just a <laughs> just a hint, just a little tip from me to you. <laughs> Good to so know. That, Thanks. <laughs> that's what we're going to be doing starting next week, guys. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, reach out with your thoughts on Launch Forty Nine Season One and your takes and everything, but it's been super fun. So thank you for picking the show, Allison. Oh, well, thank you for latching onto it. I, I'm very relieved that you, but I'm not surprised, but very relieved that you both liked it. It's not a show for everyone, but I suspected it might be a show for you and I'm delighted to have been right. <laughs> well, that wraps up Lodge 49 season one and we'll be back next week with more streaming place. Bye everybody. Thank you, Marcus. Bye-bye. Thanks Marcus. Bye. Bye.